Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hi, how you guys doing today? Doing good. Awesome. Let's see, hang on. I think Chuck, I, I had a little bit of there we go. Okay. Kind of multitasking here. I just came off of a hour and a half call prior to this and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What am I trying to do here? <laughs> Shift hey, gears really fast. Yeah. Shift gears very, very fast. Oh, well, I have to share while we're waiting for, for folks to come in is uh, I have these, I have this baby hawk in my backyard in my redwood trees and oh. it screams its brains out. And I'm like, these hawk, hawk parents must think, how did we end up with this really loud baby? <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah, the babies can be really loud. They, they I hear them screaming in, in our neighborhood too. They, they holler from like across the entire area, and you're like, okay, I think everybody can hear you. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's the, and it's just a very demanding little baby, and I'm like, <laughs> it's really funny because we've had them in our in our redwood trees before, and and to hear them, you know, hear hear this one just carrying on the way it is, it's just so cute. It's a, it's always, it's, it's always nice to know that, you know, they're in a safe place because our yard is, you know, there's not much going on back there. It gives them a place to be safe and do what they need to do. But anyway, so Chuck, you're, you're our, our new moderator, which I'm so excited about. Oh my goodness. Well, and yeah. that's kind of what they call no it pressure. here. So. <laughs> no, it's great. I'm looking forward to it. Good morning, okay. Mark. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be really exciting to see how this goes and everything. So welcome, everybody. I'm kind of bringing you up as we go here. And I'm going to try to go in and just, again, just to remind you guys, if you just want to share the room, it might bring other people in. I always do that every every week just to see if we can share with other people that might benefit. And there's Tamsin coming in. I saw Prabha pop in earlier and then she popped back out. Okay. It's really funny. I'll, I'll share as, as we're getting started here. I, I'm down at Disneyland today, so I'm, I'm hovering in the business center area of the Grand California, which is where I usually end up before I need to do a call or something. And I went to my normal little nook where I can usually find the spot to do a call. And it was hilarious. I turned the corner and there's a woman sitting there doing a Zoom call. I was like, oh, this has been discovered. All the people that want to do things like Zoom calls apparently on a Saturday morning. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good place to be, though. I mean, if you're going to be any of in any of the hotels i think the grand california they've got quite a few areas where you can go 
you know, you can get away from all the noise and you, know, you can go way up to the top or you can go into a couple of different set areas. So that's good you, that you're there. Yeah. I'm way down to the end of the business center and I'm by a piano, just so y'all have context of the environment that I am in right now. I'm standing right next to a piano that apparently is used for events in this business center. So it's kind of an interesting environment, but yeah, well, hopefully we'll go with that. It. Hopefully nobody comes over and starts that, playing now that would right? be That would be an interesting <laughs> turn of events. So I will let you know how things progress. There you go. All right. Well, let's kick this off and get it going. So, um, you know, welcome everyone. This is the uh, Learning to Lead Clubhouse. And uh, I am Tamara uh, White and I'm here with Kelly White and we're your hosts for this clubhouse. And we have a new moderator, Chuck. Welcome, Chuck. We're so happy you're willing Thank to you. jump in yeah. there with us and help us with our clubhouse discussions uh, with all your wonderful coaching experience. I think that'll be a real um, addition, positive addition for everyone. So um, this clubhouse was created as a forum to talk about everything leadership, the challenges, the achievements, and everything in between. And we have a real complement of leaders that join us in this conversation, you know, from seasoned leaders to entry-level leaders and um, this is a great opportunity to just really talk about anything leadership and hopefully be able to take away some practical tips and some new knowledge. You know, and I always say it's really important that leaders invest in themselves and invest in others. And taking time out of a weekend where you could be doing all kinds of fun things is a is a is a wonderful thing to do as a leader to you know to to make that that time and that space for yourself um so a couple of little quick things is just again we are an official clubhouse and if you will uh click on that green house at the icon at the top and join our clubhouse you'll get notifications of when we're meeting also encourage you to follow others in the room to grow your network with like-minded leaders and um and then just if you want to communicate with us you can communicate with us through chat or through DM, and also through our Substack website. Uh, just a little shout out, Kelly uh, and I were speaking yesterday. We have now, um, Kelly, 100, 100 people that are now following us, regular readers. 100 subscribers. Yeah, Woo! we hit a milestone this weekend. So we're super happy and thankful for everyone here that's a part of that community. Yeah, and I think the thing that, you know, we, we you know what really resonates for me and Kelly is that you know, we had this vision almost two years ago now to to start this clubhouse and just to know that uh, the conversations, the discussions we're having as leaders are resonating with other leaders. And our whole goal was really just to help people, you know, talk about the things that are challenging and, and to learn from each other. And, and so I feel like we're, our vision's coming to fruition. So yay. Um, and then the other thing is I would just encourage you to um, also join our Substack website or join, should I say, subscribe to our Substack website. Um, when you, if you subscribe there, you can actually get the replays of these discussions, listen to the recordings and also get the content. We do some summaries there as well as in LinkedIn. You, you can also, con uh, you can um, access that content there as well. Um, we have some exciting things that will be coming in, in, in a few uh, weeks to uh, share with you around Substack, some ideas that we have going on. Uh, anyway, thank you again for joining us on a Saturday morning. Grab a cup of coffee or drink of your choice, and let's get this conversation going, and I'll turn it over to, to Kelly. 
Wonderful. Thank you. And I'll give one more quick shout out on uh, future future events. We are interested in continuing our leadership journeys where we have conversations about, you know, different leaders, their their career journey, what they've experienced, what they've learned. So if you or someone you know might be a good fit for doing one of those interviews with us, uh, let us know. But we likely will be reaching out to a few folks here as well to line those up for future events. Um, so getting into it, as I always remind, both for the folks that are here live as well as anybody who listens offline, Reflection, self-awareness is a big theme for what we talk about in this group and in this clubhouse. Um, and it's always important that we make time to check in with ourselves, to check in with what's going. I wrote recently about you know the peaks and the valleys, and it's really easy to only tell our stories through the lens of the peaks. And we forget how much we learn in those valleys, those down points, those maybe challenging points. So good and bad days happen, but they're not permanent. And it's important that we learn from each one of them. So as we kind of always you know, remember to build this muscle, to you know, build this concept within our lives, one of the things we can do is just have one moment of reflection to look back and say, how did your week go? And summarize that in one word. So I'm going to open it to round table and I'm going to start with Chuck. Oh, well, I was going to say... Um... And it, well, the week ended on a high a high note. We went to um, I'm feeling pretty relaxed today. We went to Lollapalooza last night, and um, it was a a lot of fun, a lot of awesome energy. It was a beautiful night in downtown Chicago, and um, so yeah, I'm, and I got a relatively decent night night of sleep too, so I can't complain. <laughs> that is fantastic, and sounds like a blast for sure. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, word of the week is going to be rebound. So uh, like I mentioned last week, a bit tougher, but now I'm on the rebound. Some, <clears throat> you know, hopefully good forthcoming change, but it's uh, having that weight off your, you know, back is just amazing. So again, fingers crossed for good stuff coming up. Fantastic. Great to hear it. Chad, good morning. Good morning. I think I'm going to go with connection. So for those that maybe don't know, I used to work at, at the at the Mouse House way back in the day in Disney Interactive. And uh, I left and still have some friends that work there, whatever, what, what and whatnot. But uh, fast forward to like yesterday, a friend of mine, I was concerned because he was, he was potentially going to have his job moved to Florida. And he said, no, no, I... I transferred over to support the DMED team. Don't ask me what that means. But, um, and, and uh, I'm like, oh, cool. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's the group that I interact with now in my, my new, new job that I'm in. And do you know this person? Do you know that person? He's like, well, I kind of know these names, but really our other mutual friend also knows those names pretty well. So it was really kind of fun to, to sort of see the small world come together. The power of networking, huh? Indeed. Small world, Absolutely. no pun intended. <laughs> That's very true. Tamson, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm also going to go with Connected. We had an in-office event on Wednesday, and it was really, really great to see people in 3D again. Um, so I'm going to leave it at that. It was a lot of fun. Fantastic and, and great to hear as well. And Brita, good morning. Good morning. Uh, my word of the week is productive. Um, there were a lot of things that we couldn't do in the early weeks of July because of a because of our heavy involvement in a company wide strategic initiative. But it was nice to have 
to to be able to just get to our routine but important work that we do every month and that really moved the needle and be able to get to do that and complete it uh, that felt very good this week so finally we are back to our the stuff that we do um, and it was a nice productive week fantastic those are always good weeks to have as well Tamara. I would uh, resonate also with what Amrita said. I think it was just a really productive week, you know, just getting on top of some things and feeling like I'm uh, I'm getting movement forward. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious as we go through this conversation today and continue the discussion around um, multipliers versus diminishers, you know, I'm, I'm curious for like what Amrita just going through all that you talked about. You don't have to answer this right now, but all that you went through and all the progress you've made with your team, maybe sharing some of those insights as we go through this discussion today. Thanks. Wonderful. So I will round it out and say, um, I'm going to use strategic. Um, I think there's been a lot of work that I've been doing and a lot of hiring and building out teams for a couple of really big projects that are really going into an execution phase. And this past week was a, a moment of a really nice way of being able to step back with more capacity and really think really big, think about vision, think about really strategic direction. It's a really fun place to be in. It's a very um, always exciting, but equally ambiguous space to operate within. But um, it was a great reminder of, of both what really brings a lot of passion for myself and my career, but also, again, how how that kind of shows up in these different phases of projects that we go through. So this was a big strategic week and it sets the themes for, for many weeks going forward. So overall, uh, a great, very exciting week with more exciting things to come. So I'm gonna jump into the topic for today. And I think the way that we're gonna structure this is similar to last, you know, last couple of weeks, we're still continuing to talk about a lot of the concepts within the Multipliers book by Liz Wiseman. Um, and it's a great book. If you haven't gotten it, highly recommend it. There's a lot of great material. We surface a lot of it within these conversations, but there's a lot that you can go back and reference and dig into more and maybe even a good, um, a good book club concept even for your leadership team to help kind of you know, reinforce some of these concepts. So today's concept is really, we're gonna go through and kind of introduce the multiplier and diminisher lens through the investor and the micromanager. We're going to frame this up and I'm going to start with, you know, as you prep the material for this week, I'm going to start with a scenario and I'm going to go through a scenario and I'm going to open it to the room to ask, you know, what are the things that stand out from this scenario? What resonates with you? You know, what are you seeing? What are you noticing? And then we'll go into some of the more definitional space of how you can think about specifically, you know, leaning into an investor, what to be aware of for a micromanager and some of the practices that you can take. And then we'll round out the discussion with um, a bit more conversation and some open questions for the group. So as I get into it, again, here's your scenario. So imagine you have an executive leader, let's call her Sue, and you have a project leader, let's call him Bill. Now, this is a team that has, there's a project team and they are two days away from a critical presentation to the firm's biggest client. The team is being led by a sharp, highly regarded, capable project leader, Bill. So the challenge, the team gets stuck and they're struggling to integrate the findings their findings into the overarching message about the client's business transformation. The team has been buried in the details and they're really losing sight of the bigger picture or the storyline. Bill is systematically working through a tough problem and he now looks to Sue signaling that I could use some help here. So as Sue, the leader intervenes, she joins the discussion and guides and challenges and shapes the thinking for the team. 
She helps them build out this thinking around this major presentation of all their findings to the client. She's worked on many projects like this in the past and she has stood in Bill's shoes many times. What tactics she takes is she starts listening carefully, asking a lot of questions. She offers a few thoughts for the team to discuss. She heads to the whiteboard and maybe she begins to draft out some emerging themes and she encourages the team to view the facts from a different angle. Now, what this has done is actually allow the team to shift into a new perspective and excited voices now start to emerge. They are engaged in that testing and that pushing and that building of ideas, despite how late it might feel or how little time they may have left to get this presentation done. But new un insights are unlocked and come from the renewed discussion. Now, what does Sue do? With seeing this reemerge, re-energized new perspective and direction of the team, she's able to help them visualize the new presentation flow, but now looks back to Bill, her capable project lead, and gives him, seeing the comfort of where the direction's going, she can say, it looks like you've got a new line of thinking here and you can take it from here. Let's see where we go. And is able to step back and hand the meeting back over and the work back over to Bill, who continues it forward. So I wanna pause here and ask the question for the group. You know, what are the things that you noticed about this situation? What are the things that maybe you noticed about Bill? But ultimately, what did you notice about Sue and the way that she led and the way that she responded to both the situation at hand, the ask for help, and then when she saw the dynamic of the team shifting? So I'll pause there. I could jump in and just sort of, you know, one thing that resonates with me is that, um, um, I guess, you know, she listens and she was, you know, asking a lot of questions, you know, and I think that, um, says a lot about her her approach to working on the situation yeah and I'll, I'll dovetail into that too i think that you know part of part of this is that you know a, a lot of leaders in this situation might just like jump in and take over and start solving for uh, a, a team or for the project lead and and what sue did was kind of step back kind of help tickle their minds or thinking, tickle their curiosity and, and, and kind of helping them to start to see things, number one, refocusing, and then also maybe see things from a, a little bit of a different angle, and then really kind of giving it back to Bill and the team, you know, which, which is very different than what oftentimes happens. So it was really intentional on her part. I'll take it a different direction. Um, Bill had the presence of mind to reach out for help and not just try to keep charging forward in a stuck mode, basically. So that takes a lot of courage as well. Yes, absolutely. All great points. I think, you know, again, as you think about when you talk about the investor and you talk about the micromanager, right, we have a lot of polarizing points of view potentially on what that actually means. And as always with these concepts of talking about multipliers and diminishers, our focus is not again to say this is bad and this is good, right? Or that you're never going to step in or intervene with a team. You are going to have to, especially very much to your point, Tamson, you know, when your team is asking for your help, you know, part of leadership is, is giving them that help, providing them that help. What I definitely recognized and, and really appreciated in this scenario is, you know, a little bit what Tam Tamara was hitting on as well, which is, 
you know, not only the stepping in to help, there's a big theme that you're going to hear today, which is giving back that accountability to the team. And I think that's a huge differentiator between the multiplier investor mindset and approach and the micromanager diminisher, because those micromanagers are not as willing to give back that accountability and that responsibility. And there still is a very high bar um, for what, ma what my multipliers actually require of their teams. And it's not to say that they just, you know, st step back and let their teams go. As we talked about over the last couple of weeks, you know, there's a high bar for, for, for performance. There's a high level of accountability that's going to be talked about today. And it's about creating the support and the tools to help our teams rise to that level, to rise to the rest of their ability to challenge themselves and to grow. And that's what multipliers are all about. So, you know, to go for it. Oh, uh, I was just going to interject. Uh, I agree with uh, with all of that. And and the one thing that I'll, I'll also maybe contribute that I've struggled with for a while, but, you know, getting better at it is allowing for style as well, right? There's multiple ways to get to the solution and you've got to trust the team. You got to have, you have to provide enough guidance that they can figure it out, but they also have to be able to be creative and maybe come up with a different way that you may not have thought of or considered or anything. Right. And so, that that becomes the leader part of it and and the trust, but um, you know again something I continue to to work at myself. I I love that Mark, love that. and I was just going to add, and then I'll turn it over to the other one, the other person. Um, is that also I think too that we're which we'll talk about today. I love what you said, Mark, but I would also add that as you really grow a team and you really push them and you support them, and you're going to hear this is is about also giving the space to. Like you say, exercise creative thinking, and even maybe the the, the vulnerability of maybe they fail. Uh, I, I hate that word, but maybe they trip up and they have to refine and, and they have to adjust and, and go down. You know, maybe refine the, the, what they're going to do or whatever their goal is. And I so that's the other piece I think would be really important as well. I'll turn the mic over. I liked how she made the team talk. Uh, I think I have. You know, I've noticed this in so many leaders who know just how to make their team talk. And I, I think in this case, too, like she started with questions, but then after that, she was just listening and uh, kind of paraphrasing or kind of whiteboarding, uh, you, you know, the emerging themes and all. But I, I feel like the main gist that I kind of sometimes struggle is how to make my team talk or and for that rather what are the key questions i should ask um i'm still learning but i often end up asking okay is there a simpler way of doing this is there a simpler way of doing this uh but i i struggle with that when only uh, you know two out of a group of 10 people talk uh but i really like how uh, the like what is the direction she took and maybe um her questions made more than just two people talking because of which there were some emerging themes. Um, so I really like that part. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, all great points. And I think as we go through the conversation today, I think Maria, you'll, and Maria, you'll get some examples of, of questions and, and we can absolutely bring that back because I think that's a big point. And I'll just say, you know, for myself that, you know, I, and I think Mark is, you know, really good reminder that, you know, some of the, the, the most important aspects or some of the, I would say the biggest kind of epiphanies or opportunities for call it innovation or anything or problem solving come when you really do unlock that collaboration and team problem solving and knowing that there's multiple paths to get to a conclusion and that there's no right way of doing that. And that's something that's really important to embrace as leaders 
Um, and really, when you think about the antithesis or the opposite of a micromanager, you know, when you're a micromanager, you block a lot of that, right? There's only one way and it's my way. We want to embrace it. There's multiple ways and how do we unlock that? Because we might find that we as leaders also learn a lot from our teams. And I know that I just had that recently, a big brainstorm this week where it's so exciting when you get into that flow with a group of people and you're, you know, sounding off ideas to each other and you're building on ideas and you find that it is about the greater of a team coming together that unlocks so much more potential than each one of us can contribute on our own. So as I move deeper into the conversation here today, you know, I'll just kind of round out very much everything what, you know, everybody shared. But if you consider how, you know, Sue led in this scenario, right? She could have jumped in and she could have rescued the tr you know, troubling team and she could have been, you know, dove in and just took over the presentation and completed herself and felt like the hero, right? These are the things she could have done. But, you know, she really did instead provide this teaching and coaching moment. She gave them the pen, right? She gave the accountability back to Bill, as we talked about, and really gave them the opportunity to, to help ask the questions, help, you know, get some thinking going, unblock some of that thinking, and then let them kind of continue. And it really reflects on her leadership role and what her, her place is in the team, right? Is to help, you know, continue to reinforce development. And we'll talk more about this, you know, even the idea of what Tamara hit on, you know, the safety nets. So like when things aren't going great or something does happen that's maybe not as planned, how do we then support in those moments and always let our teams know that we're there to support them? So to kind of summarize at a very high level to how you can think about, you know, how the, the multiplier shows up here as an investor, right? This is something that, you know, their, their attributes or their practices, when something is off the rails, right, they invest in the success of others by providing them resources and ownership needed to produce the results independently. It's about creating that space, again, with that level of safety and comfort as well, that we have your back. We've got you if something goes wrong. They do expect results. So there's a high bar here. This is not about go ahead and there's no accountability to how we have to deliver or what the bar is. They may assist and share ideas, but they, again, they return that accountability back to the team for action where it needs to be. They create organizations that are free from the nagging lead need of a leader rescue. This is really important, right? This codependency model that we want our teams to be able to operate independently. Ultimately, we want to grow the next level of leaders. And that means that they can't completely be dependent on us as leaders. We create teams that are self-sufficient and can operate without the direct presence of their leader. And again, really important. We don't want to be the center of everything and required for every decision because that's really breaking down both the accountability opportunity with our teams, but it's just also not efficient when we talk about things like scale and growth. So the diminisher, right, the micromanager, you know, I think we could probably all describe micromanagers and what we don't like about micromanagers, but the big kind of differentiators here is that the diminisher micromanager doesn't give back the ownership right? They create dependent organizations. They jump in and solve a problem and take it all the way through fruition. They save the day. They do not believe that people can deliver results without their help, right? They have to play savior. They have to play hero. They jump in to save the day and they thrive on that aspect of being the hero and getting the kudos for saving the day. So it's again, things to think about on, you know, there's a lot of different ways we could spend time on micromanagers, but, but aspects to how these differ. So as I'm going to go into the next section, I'm going to dig deeper, much deeper into how you can start to think about becoming and embodying this investor mentality. And as I go through this, I am going to break for, you know, hearing from the group and pass the mic. So be thinking about, again, how this has shown up for you, if there's areas where maybe you struggle with this, or maybe you've seen this done poorly or successfully uh, in your experience. So the three practices that we'll dig into for the investor really you know, that, that element of driving results and developing leaders is 
will go into one, defining ownership, two, investing in resources, and three, holding people accountable. So starting with defining ownership, you know, ownership is really, again, about establishing it upfront and making sure that we're putting people in the right place to be successful based on a readiness, challenging them, but also putting them in charge. And so the ways that you can actually do this is you can do this in kind of three ways. One, you know, name the lead. This is really important. And this is actually a big part of the organization that I work in. There's a big culture of accountability. Name the A. Who has the A? This person is 100% accountable. They're accountable for bringing the team together. And it also provides clarity on who is accountable for helping that team move forward. It creates the clarity of role, the understanding of what role they're playing and how they're going to be showing up and how they're going to be helping think about and drive success. And when failure happens, how they're going to respond to that and lead the team through it. They define the leader's involvement and how they're going to be working with the leader to invest in success for the team and for themselves. They create certainty and build confidence. So this is, again, how you can think about setting that leader up for success that's going to be accountable for driving the teams forward. And they shift from second guessing to starting to get to second opinions. So really, again, the safety net concepts going to come up a lot and how we support people through the learning and stretches and growth. They also give ownership to the for the end goal, reminding people, both the peer, person that's accountable and the team, what is important, what the job is, what is optimizing for the whole and not just their individual piece, operating as a team, which can be really challenging. They create a focus on the bigger picture. They optimize thinking and they challenge themselves to go beyond their space and they embody that within their teams as well. And then the last piece of ownership and dividing ownership is stretching the role. So incite growth by asking people to stretch or do something they've never done before. You know, and Rita, in your example, this might be an opportunity of, of how do you shuffle some of the dynamics in a room, mix it up, partner people who don't normally gravitate together, ask them to play a different role, ask them to think through a different lens than they may normally gravitate to. Unleash powerhouses that really are waiting to contribute fully by challenging that perspective and that role and build confidence in that progressive challenge. So I said a lot there, I introduced a lot, both at a top line for, for the multiplier investor and the diminisher, you know, um, micromanager, and really how we can start with, you know, embodying this practice by defining ownership. But I want to pause, you know, and hear from the room if there's anything that stands out to you or what resonates with you and maybe your practice or what you've seen around you on the concept of, divine, of defining ownership for your teams. It just reminds me so much of when I when I did my my MBA. It was a remote MBA back in the day, and we would have to submit projects and things. And I would save my team at the time. I'd be like, you know, whoever's the last person in the in the chain of of adding content to a paper or whatever, right? You have to turn it in, and you better turn it in or we fail. So make sure you turn it in. <laughs> and, and I would think about it. It'd be like as it was getting to be nine o'clock or midnight Eastern going, gee, I hope they turn it in. And I'd be thinking about it, but I'd still allow the, the leash and be like, I'm going to allow you the opportunity to stumble, but I think you're going to rise to the occasion. And we always got stuff turned in amazingly. Yeah, such a great example. And I think we all think back to probably many experiences in doing team projects, especially in school. And, you know, sometimes the discomfort of putting, you know, putting all your, you know, all your trust into one person to get something done, both their, both their part or in your case, you know, turning in the final assignment, you know, but again, it's, it's these small moments that are reminders on how we, 
you know, really elevate and think about the application of that within our day-to-day work, right? Or our day-to-day lives, right? Because that, that same sometimes apprehension will come up. And so it is about, you know, what Tamsin, what you described is like, you know, trusting, right? Trust is a big concept for successful teams. And there has to be a trust that we're all in this together. That's why this, this idea of, of ownership is really important and accountability is really important, but also ensuring that the team is coming together and they're thinking as a team towards a big picture and not as long as I do my piece, I'm good whether the team fails or not. And that's the culture that we have to be aware of as leaders and continue to break down. In the interest of time, I'm going to jump into the second principle. We have two more to go through, and then we'll definitely open up for much more discussion. But I want to move I just, into – Hey, Kelly. Oh, go for I just it, had one, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just had one more thing to add, and it just popped up but um, in a conversation I had um, this week. But um, Google's project, Aristotle, um, listed there's some of the top predictors of um, successful teams. And psychological safety was, I think, number one. But defendability was either two or three. And I think like when you're talking about that accountability and trust within the team – whether that's you know horizontally dispersed within the team or vertically with between the leadership and the team, um, that you know I think there's a strong tie there between dependability and accountability. Yeah, I, I like that too, Chuck. And I just wanted to add to before you go on, Kelly. Also, I love that that psych, psych, psychological safety, but also you know just kind of just reminding everyone and you guys already know this but just to reiterate it is that you know what i see when i think about this investor as we go through this is is this becomes very strategic leadership you know this is these are much more sophisticated um leadership uh, skills that are put in place to it's almost more visionary like you see a vision for how you're trying to really transform your team and and uh like you said kelly when you're when you start to shift into a different uh, environment where, you know, you're valued and you have, and like Mark said, creative space uh, to think and, and to do different things, you know, you see that, that shift in energy and in engagement. And, and it's, and I think that in this case, when you think about the investor, you know, they're, they're this is very purposeful and they have a vision and it takes time to shift teams or shift, you know, a, a culture in this direction. So as, you, as we kind of go through that, that's kind of what is the forefront of my mind as I listen to this. Yeah, all great points. And I, I love that both again, as we continue the conversation to what Tamara was just hitting on and going back to your point, Chuck, which I, I think is great. This idea of thinking about uh, the psychological safety is a, a key concept, but also um, the great reminder of dependability, right? We have to be able to rely on each other and consistency and dependability being so important, right? This is not um, this is not ownership without accountability or accountability without results, right? These things are all connected and required, you know, to really think about the success of our teams and helping them grow and stretch because they're also going to be equally uncomfortable at times. If we're introducing this concept, you know, maybe for the first time and we step back, they may look to us and still want us as leaders to step back in and to stay with them and help solve and help, you know, figure it out with them. And I think it's that fine line of moving in and out, but creating enough space that maybe they get a little uncomfortable, but they see that they're very capable of solving problems and working through big challenges. And that's, again, what starts to, to help grow and form that team. So moving into investor re- investing resources, you know, it's easy to assume that the leader is the one who needs to provide everything, right? Provide the capital, all the solutions and all the resources. But sometimes it is the, the limits and, and, and what the leader knows and what time and energy they have to invest that actually can unlock a lot of opportunity for, for the teams. So if we think about the leader as a sole investor, right, 
that might lean towards maybe becoming, you know, a bit more overpowering or the attempts to help might be more hurtful than beneficial. And as in some of the past week's concepts, you know, we talked a lot about this is sometimes acknowledging and being aware of the power of our voice and the power of our influence. And we're sometimes a leader coming to the table and throwing out an opinion completely sways and derails the entire conversation from the team versus giving them the space and biting our tongue and providing more space than maybe we are even comfortable with to see where the teams go. So it's really important as we think about how you start to kind of do this is the two concepts of teaching and coaching and providing backup. And we've kind of started to hit on this, right? So teaching and coaching is really about, you know, again, we establish ownership. And then we invest by infusing knowledge and resources where needed to drive and deliver on that accountability. So it's about coming in and helping where needed and stepping back. We help people learn what they need to know. And that's a big part of growth, right? We have to understand as leaders, a big part of our role is growth, development, teaching, coaching, and playing that role and leveraging learning when people are spinning or they're unfocused or they don't know what to do. Those are teachable moments. That again, we could come in and just give them a solution or we can help them learn through that opportunity, through that situation. We teach them by helping them solve real problems. This is really important. Even if you know the answer, do not solve the problem for your team. It's very, very tempting to do that. It's the shortcut. And there are probably times when there is an urgency or there is a timeline, there's a deliverable where maybe we have to kind of get to that. But let's try as long as we can to tease out the answer from the team, knowing what the solution is and helping them figure it out themselves. And this is definitely about asking thought-provoking questions to help under uncover that individual knowledge, to bring out that collective intelligence. Ask things like, what do we know about what doesn't work? What assumptions led us to these outcomes? What risks do we face now that need to be mitigated? And so again, as you think about more and more questions that you can use, and they might be broad questions like this, they might be subject matter specific questions that you can ask, but start from the point of asking questions before providing solutions. And then of course, providing backup. We talked a lot about this, the idea of providing a safety net, being there for our teams. We don't wanna throw them out to the wind and tell them good luck to you and then disappear. That's not, that's not strong leadership. So we have to know that when people are stretched, and they're working above their current capability or outside of their comfort zones, they're bound to trip up. They're bound to have false steps. They're bound to make mistakes. They're bound to fail. We hate that term, but right there, things are gonna happen. It's not gonna always be perfect. They're gonna, something's gonna go wrong. And it's really important that again, back to even Chuck's point, we provide the psycholo psychological safety, but also are there to provide the backup. Ensure that there's a safety net in place, plans backup, someone, maybe colleagues and their peers that they can go to for advice on how to recover gracefully. And we as leaders need to be a part of that, but help them also see that this is a part of the learning process. This is part of growth. This is part of leadership. This is part of being a, a part of a team. And it's okay to embrace those learning opportunities and tap into your network and talk to the people around you about how to recover. And then know that you always have your leader right there ready to also help provide the support that you might need. So I'll pause, open it to the room. would love to hear thoughts, reactions, anything that stood out or any impressions that you have on this idea of investing resources. Well, and I'd almost take it a, a step further. I'd be curious to hear if anyone's had any experience with, um, it was with with a situation like this where they've really, you know, challenged their teams to solve the problem rather than giving 
the answers and, and a, a lot of what, uh, you know, in those questions, those thought provoking questions, which resonate a lot with, uh, with uh, Chuck and I is, is, is that, you know, staying in a state of curiosity and teasing those, those answers out of them, they have the answers. These, these are the people that do the work every day who can, it's, it's within them. It's just that dependency on the leader. Like, how do you break that dependency, which is what this is all about. And then ha it really tap into that full potential. But um, I, I'm curious if anybody's ever had or uh, what what types of things have you done as a leader to really tease answers out of your um, your team that might be beneficial to uh, the listeners? I think one of the recent things I started doing is. Um, there are some people who uh, are introverts in, in my team. I think they take time to think and then come back with an answer, which is completely fine. Um, I, I myself am now an extroverted introvert, like Miko said in one of his recent blogs. So what I have started doing is um, starting polls, live polls. So we do Zoom meetings. So those who don't feel comfortable, um, so I would ask a question and, um, and based on some of the teams or some of like two or three people who are really suggesting something, I would put them as poll options and I would just do a poll and ask like a team of uh, 14 or 16 people who, who joined the meetings from CrossGeo. Um, I have my team spread over five, uh, countries. So I think that helps. Um, they just do a poll and then we, um, that we like discuss, hey, it seems like the theme is like this, uh, much to Kelly's point, actually. Uh, so that is just the one of the things I just feel that uh, really helped my team recently. I love that. Uh, that was a great example. And, and boy, that is a, a huge geography that you're working in, a huge team you're working across. And um, I, um, I was going to say that um, sometimes, too, in my practice as a leader is also um, by asking questions of curiosity. Also, one of the things I will typically do um, is try to you know, let like have them answer, keep, you know, keep asking them lots of questions, but also helping to um, connect where their thinking is with the bigger picture, like what we're trying to accomplish, how that contribution or that thinking contributes to what, you know, the, the bigger, the bigger picture or the bigger vision. That's a, another tactic I've taken in the past. Yeah, it's a great example. Amrita, I love your example of using a poll. I think that's uh, a really good way of starting to, to you know, pull a little bit more feedback or engagement out from teams. I think, you know, different structures as well for, again, breaking up teams or doing different things to kind of break up the flow of meetings. I find that often, you know, what works in my team and I think for from a different dynamic is, you know, we have a lot of people that, that you know, chime in quite frequently. I'm a pretty engaged team. I think sometimes what I find most successful is I literally have to sometimes just step back you know, which is to give the team a challenge or, you know, start them thinking about something. And then actually, you know, in, in, in real life meeting moments, physically step out or in a virtual environment, virtually step out, which is to give them enough room and say, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to step away 
for a period of time and I'm going to come back because I think sometimes again, you know, where, where we have more opportunity and I know where I have to embrace a lot is going back to that moment of, you know, as soon as potentially I start chiming in, it can really start to sway and direct the conversation. Whereas I have to really always watch myself to step back and create enough space for the teams to get to some of their own conclusions and come up with their own recommendations and approaches, which is always, I think, a really important you know, approach that I have to kind of be very focused on for my team. Yeah, uh, very much ditto, Kelly, very much ditto. Um, one thing I'll also add as, as a maybe slightly different technique is to ask questions. Um, and not ask questions to poke holes, but ask questions, oh, you know, how might this affect that? Um, or have you considered, you know, this? And, and asking questions of the team puts them a bit more on the spot to kind of think through things. And it's a bit of a guide. Uh, that's a technique um, I've often used. And then uh, a second comment would be consistency. So while, you know, there may be, you may get this, uh, epiphany to, hey, this problem is big enough to do it. Um, one of the things I've been working on is consistency in my leadership technique across, you know, things that are big and small. So as I, as I focus to apply something like this, this is a great technique, right, of, you know, trying to empower the team. It's just consistency across because otherwise it, depending on how you come across, it may be a wait, is this an exercise? Is he messing with us? Or, um, you know, what that what that might look like. And, and, and the reason I say that I've gotten that feedback, right. In my one-on-ones, when I ask, you know, how am I doing? Um, you know, even the team's kind of question, Hey, were you kind of messing with us or was this a teaching moment? So. Yeah, it's a great reminder. Yeah. That consistency point and, and so people understand where you're coming from because it, it also, you know, again, when we, even when we're thinking about introducing some of these concepts, right. And some of them, there might be, you know, moments where all oh, that really resonates with what I do. Um, or they might be like very new concepts. If we also are charged to introduce these things, thinking about how we introduce them, you know, and again, I think to the point that you just, you were hitting on Mark is like also helping frame it for our teams. Cause otherwise to your point, they might think, well, like, why are we doing this? Is this like some new thing we're going to do? Is it a moment in time? Do I have to take this seriously? Is this like, is this actually going to keep happening or is this like a, just a, a rare occurrence or something just for this specific project? So it's an important reminder of how we are approaching some of this, our style, how it's showing up and how we're applying that across all of our projects and teams versus picking and choosing moments in time that we want to use it. And then if we're not using some of these principles, being self-aware that we are not, understanding why we are not, and communicating that to our team, you know, equally important as we bring in some of these other leadership practices. As we get into the last 15 minutes, I'm going to hit on the last practice, um, you know, for, for really embodying the investor mindset and, and approach to leadership. And the third one is holding people accountable. It's a really, really big theme for the day. You know, this is really about, again, what we talked about in the scenario with Sue. You know, Sue came in and helped, and she helped provide, you know, questions and re reshape the thinking, reframe the thinking, but she gave the accountability back to others. And it's really, really important to keep it there, to, to give the, that team that accountability and let them kind of see this thing through. Assume that the accountability, you know, is, is really important and be very, very careful with how we think about the restraints around that. You know, offer guidance. And again, back to what even Mark was just hitting on again, like ask questions, highlight, understand what's going on, but also help the team understand that it's okay to escalate critical issues, to ask for help, but it's about leaders, how we show up to provide that help. Expect complete work. Again, when we talk about multipliers, we're talking about people who also have a very high bar for delivery. We kind of go back to that. Right? They're challenging teams to show up as their best selves, to push themselves, and they actually get those results in the way that they're embodying these leadership practices. 
So they ask for solutions and they avoid offering a fix. They give people an opportunity to complete their thinking and their work. That's really important. We have to be able to give people time and space to see things through. They encourage people to stretch and exercise their intellectual muscles. And they never do anything for people that they could do for themselves. That's really, really important, right? It's like, again, empowering, embodying, and stepping back so that we don't become leaders who create dependent teams. They respect natural consequences. So we have to allow consequences to have their effect, allowing the natural forces to inform intelligent action. And again, this is a really big part of the last concept that we just hit on, which is about those teaching and coaching moments, that things are going to happen. And we have to let these things play out. We have to be responsible. We have jobs to do. Depending on where we are, Like, there's very degrees of risk that we can take on. But it's really important that we see these things all the way through and understand that these, there's a natural flow to some, some way that things are going to be playing out. We communicate confidently with the people who are smart enough to figure these things out and empower them to figure it out. We build independence with others, allowing them to feel ownership for their actions and the results or consequences of those actions, right? This is not about saving our teams from ever experiencing failure or ever experiencing something going wrong. It's about how we move through those and learn from those moments and stay with them through those moments. Create organizations that can sustain performance without leadership involvement, right? It goes back to that. We don't want dependent teams. That's a micromanagement approach, which is that teams have to rely on us for all the answers and for all the solutions and to save the day. And it can be very, very hard because none of us, you know, if you're somebody who is a multiplier, you're probably a top performer yourself. You're probably an A player. You probably lean in. You probably have a very high bar of delivery. And it can be very uncomfortable when you start to lead a team to step back and embrace that things may not go right. Things may not come out perfect. They may not be done the way that you want them to be done. But that's where it's really going to be important to investing and growing talent, as we talked about, being a talent magnet and unlocking the talent that you've attracted. And before I open it to the to the room, as we kind of start to get to the closing end of this conversation and have more of a discussion, I want to hit on just a, a few reminders of what what the diminisher approach can sometimes be. As we think about, we just went through the principles of an investor multiplier. Well, the diminisher can be somebody who really assumes that people will never figure it out without them. They believe that if they don't dive into the details and follow up, people will not deliver, right? They do not believe that people are consistent or are dependable, right? They breed dependency and disablement, which means that our teams inherently have to come to us. They do not empower or trust people and they hold back that full ownership that we've talked a lot about. They look outward asking themselves, why are people letting me down? Things fall apart when they leave an organization as a leader because they held it together. That's a really important one. So as I work at a very big organization and people come and go and move around quite frequently, pay attention to what happens to those teams when those leaders move around. How do they respond? Do things seem to fall apart? Because they probably had a micromanager approach to their leadership style then. And the, the diminisher micromanager takes over based on the attention and kudos they get for saving the day, the hero moment, the savior moment. And they get hooked on the feeling of importance of having people dependent on them for delivering results. It's very ego-driven. It's very much about me. It's about ego. It's about my perception, my position, and my, res my responsibility for saving the day. So it's important attributes, again, that we pay attention to because there are times we have to step in, but it's about how we step in and what we're trying to unlock within our team as we lean in to help redirect, coach, teach, and train. So I gave you a lot of more information. I'm going to pause there. Again, love to hear reactions, but also happy to move into the last 10 minutes or maybe we'll unlock some additional conversation around some of the key questions around this, this discussion today.
And as you guys are kind of pondering and thinking about that, um, I, I just want to share, you know, I had actually worked for um, a diminisher, uh, basically a, a based upon exactly this uh this explanation, Kelly, that you just went through, and um, and even before having this this concept be so concrete, it was interesting because I I found myself um, oftentimes um, looking for the support of my leader and um, working through challenges and whatnot, and and I remember saying, you know, he this person just wants to come in and save the day and be the hero. And, and, and as I, as I'm going through this content, I'm like, spot on, that's exactly what was happening. And it was very, for me, and I was in a leadership role an executive leadership role for me, it was, uh, it was, it was very frustrating because I, you know, I, I really totally did not feel supported and I didn't feel like this, um, this leader was not listening to what I was saying. And even if I tried to phrase it in a way that, you know, I really could use more of your support this way. Um, they just, it was just, an, it was just a diminisher mindset that they couldn't even hear it. And it was, and it's, it's, it just resonates to listen to this content and reflect back on that time that, and again, me as a leader, I had to challenge myself to go, what am I waiting and hoping for in this moment? Because it's not going to change, but to recognize it. And, and again, this is just hitting me so hard that that's exactly where I was. So I wanted to share that with you guys. Yeah, and I'll just chime in on top of that. So I think it's a, it's a great, um, you know, example, Tamara, to your point on, on, you know, what we often do here, which is we're just putting a name and a label to helping understand the things that we've gone through. I would actually also flip it the other direction, right? So you looked at a leader and reflected on that moment and said, oh, that's what it was. I can name that now. I can understand what was going on. It's really important, I think, that we flip it the other way, which is to understand that we as leaders and how we show up for our teams. You know, one of the things we talk a lot about, and I know I talk a lot about with my teams and different mentoring relationships is how hard it can be to grow as a leader and start to establish like when you first step into really managing maybe large teams or you start to really scale and you have to delegate, it requires you to reevaluate value and what your role is as a leader. And if you are used to being the person that executes and delivers and delivers the results and the person that has been accountable, it can be really hard to step into the role of a leader who has to then flip that and actually step away and hold others accountable and release that role of being the person that gets it done. And that's a really hard transition for a lot of people to make. So I think it's acknowledging both what we're seeing in the leaders around us, understanding what's showing up and how it's showing up, but really also again, back to you know the self-awareness moment of what our role is as a leader and embracing that our role may not be about delivering the actual project, our role may much more be about enabling and developing our teams such that they can deliver that successfully the project. Yeah, on that on that last note, Kelly, it's you know that reminds me of uh, um, I, I think a, a definition of leadership I heard from Brene Brown, where it's you know leaders have um, uh, the responsibility to see the potential in people and process and. Uh, and to um, develop that. And that's, you know, the focus is on, like you said, um, the team actually delivering. Absolutely, right? It's like, what is the definition for success as a leader, right? And some of that might be the performance of your team, but a lot of what we have to spend our time doing is investing in the way that our team actually is able to perform. 
one thing I wanted to add in, and it was just a little bit of um, additional feedback on on some of those coaching questions, um, which we we touched on a little bit earlier in the conversation, which were fantastic. You know, in those kind of situations, you know, um, what often we see is that you know the the team's brains are stuck, um, and you know so, um, the language is really important. You know, using what or how versus why, you know, really gets people's minds to open up. Um, why can sometimes be interpreted as sort of like, you know, not just talking about the problem, but talking about the person um, when you ask a why question. And um, some of the listening techniques, you know, as a leader, when you're um, hearing people um, state the problem, kind of reflect mirroring that, that back to them helps them, it, it builds some trust and it shows them that you're listening um, intently to the problem that's being stated. Um, and then another thing that's, you know, one of the outcomes I think you're trying to get to um, is to help people see that, um, and I, I do think this may have been touched on earlier, but that they have the potential to do this. Um, and so sometimes when people are stuck, you might want to ask questions of how have we seen this before or, um, how, how, you know, um, tell me more about a, a time when you work through a similar problem. You know, and then, you know, people will open up about, you know, a successful experience going through a problem and that sometimes gets things moving in their head as well. And I kind of, I, I kind of think to myself, you know, as, as we talk about this and, and ap applicability, which I think a lot of it is, is that, you know, um, it, you got to, you know, opening your team up, getting people, like you said, Chuck, to that psychological safety of of you know the the culture you know that it's okay to have setbacks that it's okay to to share your thoughts even if not everybody agrees with them and I, I think that's the challenge for us as leaders is is that you know again it's baby steps right and you know hopefully getting to the point where you actually have a team that's really open to and and embraces uh talking like that and I know Kelly you talked about you know, this, this really exciting time that, that this big shift that happened recently for you. And it's, you know, I reflect on that and I think to myself, you know, it, does, it doesn't have, it's not like it just happened overnight, right? It's like, how do you get there? And I think those are the things that we're challenged with is how do we sm start with maybe smaller asks of, of a team and then building off of that, the confidence they gained from that, you know, how we've dealt with, you know, setbacks or failures and, and built their confidence to, to 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 know that's okay. Yeah, I would agree, and I think it's it's exactly that last point. You know, Tamara is like thinking about embracing that people are going to be uncomfortable and they're going to have questions, and you know, again, this might feel new to them quite frequently. So, figuring out ways that you can maybe start small and start to get them comfortable with it and then continue to embrace it. And then again, I think, you know, that this came up a lot, even last week, I was having a lot of conversations around leadership at work and, you know, talking to a lot of different people and this acknowledgement that, you know, this, it's not normal for, for these kind of conversations quite frequently, right? Mo a lot of leaders, you know, are just trying to figure things out um, and they're figuring out based on kind of maybe the person that they've worked with or whoever they've respected or whoever they might work for today. And so I think the more that we can 
you know, have good conversations around asking these powerful questions and unlocking thinking and even going back to like Mark's, you know, one-on-one structure, the way that we can shift the conversation and start to invest in really teaching our teams and embracing that we are teaching them to be leaders is really, really important because it's not something that happens frequently. It's not something that's very normal. And I've found so many times I've talked to different people and these are conversations they've just never had with anyone. So, you know, a big part of why we started this clubhouse and something I'm very passionate about is starting to help have more of these conversations across both, you know, my own direct team, my peer groups, you know, people that I mentor, people that I network with, so that we can start to change the conversation and and start to invest in, you know, intentional and active leadership that is about training leaders and growing leaders, even if that means and hopefully they do, it means that our team surpasses us. It means they outgrow our team. They move on to bigger, better things and we support them on that journey. That's the outcome. Again, that's the definition of success is helping others grow when we start to move beyond, you know, what maybe we know for core expertise and how we've executed. And I think it's a really powerful shift. Yes, yes, yes. And I have to just reiterate, Mark, you hit a really powerful point here about consistency. When you're doing these things, you have to be consistent. If you, otherwise it's just the Kool-Aid, right? It's just the Kool-Aid or, you know, the, the flavor of the day or the flavor of the month. And I think consistency is the other piece that's super, super important. Um, and so I, we're coming to like our last minute here. So as we get ready to close out, I just want to also say it, it's so uh, it, we so appreciate the engagement. You know, where people are, you know, sharing their perceptions, their their approaches, their how they've engaged their teams, how they've struggled as leaders, or how you have been successful as a leader. It, it's that level of conversation that just enhances this this the discussions we have on learning to lead, which is really what our goal and our vision was for for creating this forum. So you know, I, I love that everyone's you know jumping in there and sharing um, sharing their experiences and sharing their their leadership uh, thoughts and what's what's gone well, what hasn't gone well. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And um, just a little announcement for next week: we're going to come off, we're going to stop the the topic for multipliers. For a week, we have um, a leader coming in to to present some um, some great content for you guys. So for next week, we'll um, we'll pause on the book and then we'll go back and we'll continue that conversation. So um, something kind of fun and nice that's coming next week for you guys. And um, I will close us with a quote from Barack Obama, and that is: "Change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time." We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. And on that note, uh, we'll close down the clubhouse. Thank you, everyone, for being here on your Saturday morning. And have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Thank you, everyone. See you, everybody. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you. Thank you.